Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, uh, a special 4th of July uh, weekend edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, I hope everybody... uh, is having a good 4th of July weekend. Uh, obviously the big day tomorrow, you know, everybody, uh, everybody get the grills cooking, enjoy the fireworks, have, have a, uh, have a great 4th of July weekend as we prep up to start, to start the, uh, the long, well, I shouldn't say long, but you know, the summer stretch, if you would. Uh, but obviously with the, with, with summer beginning, some sports are ending because we do have the Stanley cup finals that are currently underway. And we have, we may potentially know tonight who will be competing in the NBA finals as we currently have the Phoenix suns awaiting the winner of the Milwaukee bucks and the Atlanta Hawks with Milwaukee leading the series three games to two. And as of this statement right here they are currently leading in game number six 31 to 24 in atlanta over the atlanta hawks so and and this is this is this is a pretty big game too because not only if they win they advance to the nba finals but they are also playing this game they have put this is the second game in a row that the milwaukee bucks will have played without Giannis Antetokounmpo on the court. So it's pretty big for the Bucks, especially with the emergence of Bobby Portis taking over for Giannis uh, as of uh as of the past uh the past two games here. If Milwaukee can get a can get a win in Atlanta without Giannis that means I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't I don't know when the NBA finals actually start what the actual date would be but uh this could be pretty pretty key for uh for the Bucks that if they even to show that they can win even if Giannis isn't on the court now obviously if they do advance to a game seven, then supposedly the rumor is that Giannis will be given the green light uh, with his hyperextended knee to play in game seven. So that remains to be seen uh, whether or not he will play. Uh, But for those of you that are tuning in, if you want to call in and talk some sports tonight, you can call in at 657-383-1308. We will be live on the air for the next two hours before we go into the special one-hour after show uh, at the at the top of the hour, eleven o'clock Eastern. Uh, which then, obviously, the after show will go until midnight. Uh, a programming reminder for those of you who may have missed it: if you're a fan of Big Brother. Last night we had the Big Brother 23 Cast Assessment podcast hosted by Melissa and myself. Uh, if you guys are interested in Big Brother, maybe you missed it last night and you want 
to get the chance to listen to it, you can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com slash AE or by subscribing to the Missy AE podcast on either iTunes or Apple Podcasts, where you'll get access to not just our upcoming podcasts, but also any of the ones that we have done within the past, well, quite frankly, six years or however long we've been doing we've been doing these podcasts on the, uh for the for the Missy AE podcast. However, we do have uh we do have sports to talk about here, so uh, let's get started. I think I'm probably going to start off with actually uh, something related in particular to the Olympics as one of Team USA's major athletes has officially confirmed that she will not be participating in the Summer Olympics this year. And I think it kind of makes sense considering that I believe she just got injured that uh that ha- she she just got an injury that has taken her out of Wimbledon so uh in, in for those who who may not be catching on here it is uh Serena Williams uh who is a four-time Olympic gold medalist and she announced earlier this week actually that uh she is not on the Olympic list um and if she isn't on it then she shouldn't be added on to it uh, according to what she told reporters and she has played in every summer olympic since thousand uh her and her sister venus williams won gold medals in the women's doubles back in the 2000 sydney olympics as well as the 2008 beijing olympics and the 2012 london olympics uh, as a matter of fact, at the London Games, Williams also picked up her first gold medal in women's singles at, uh, as uh, her sister Venus had a gold in wo- women's singles as well. Uh, let me bring in Evan, uh, who is calling in tonight. Evan, I'm, ki- I'm kind of surprised that, uh, that you missed out last night. Uh, I was working. What, what am I supposed to do? No, I know, but you but you uh you messaged me uh shortly after the podcast had ended and and said that you that uh originally you were going to try to get in to make a to make a joke or two uh about the uh, about the cast. Yes. Have you uh yeah. have you gotten a chance have you gotten a chance to listen to last night's show at all? I have not. I've been out and about all day today. Oh, well, yeah, last night uh last night's show did go the full 3 hours. It it is available on the archives right now. So, uh when you get a chance, you know, it's really something you should probably you should probably uh especially if you're a big brother fan, uh you should really uh you should really uh pay a, pay a listen to it because uh, Jim joined us, and uh, a couple of a couple of others joined us as well. We had uh, we had quite the discussion on some of the uh, some of the big topics that have uh, that have surrounded the upcoming season. But uh, it's been a long time actually since you've been on uh, Sports Whispers Weekly here, so. I think I think we should probably uh uh we should probably talk about right now 
Uh, obviously, I was talking about uh, Serena Williams uh, passing mm-hmm. on competing in the Olympic Games this year. But I think we should probably discuss, which, quite frank, quite frankly, I uh, I've been meaning to bring to bring this uh, this stuff up, but for some reason, I just haven't the past couple weeks. Uh, obviously. One of the big things that has gone on in the world of wrestling has been the annual WWE releases that have uh, oh yeah that, that usually takes place. However, though, I don't think people were expecting the level of releases that we got. I mean, just just to name a few, Braun Strowman. A former world champion, Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, Lana, who by the way now is going by C.J. Perry on the uh, on the independent circuit. Uh, now that she's officially back on, uh, now that she's officially a free agent, uh, Buddy Murphy was one. San- well, Santana Garrett. I guess it's not really a surprise. I don't think she was really being used in NXT. Uh, but, and then WWE decided, well, hell, let's just get rid of our entire, of our, of, of our entire, uh, you know, cruiserweight circuit. So they released both of the Bollywood boys, Samil, uh, Sunil and Samir Singh. Uh, they released Fandango and Tyler Breeze. They released, uh, Aria Davari and Tony Nese. They also released uh, a couple of NXT guys, August Gray, Chase Parker, Matt Martell. Uh, Killian Dane was a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, Tino mm-hmm. Sabatelli, Kurt Stallion, Marina Shafir, and Arturo Huas uh, was also released as well. Huas, believe it or not, was originally supposed to be a member of the Diamond Mine uh, faction that has formed in NXT uh, in the past couple of weeks. So I, I mean, let's, let's just get started, get started right now, Evan. How, sh- how shocked were you at some of the names that ended up on this list? I, a lot of the names I had to honestly Google to figure out who they were, but like Killian Dane, and then like partly with the Bollywood boys, like those are ones that people really kind of knew. Just the Bollywood boys, more for being the managers or whatever, tagged with Jinder Mahal during his WWE Championship reign. Yeah, and then Killian, and not to, not to Killian that, Dane. But... Killian, Killian Dane was, Dane was one of the three Sanity members yep. that have now gone. And also, might I add, the husband of uh, of Nikki Cross, who is uh, mm-hmm. now up on the main roster still with this, I don't know, I guess she's trying to become Mighty Molly 2.0 or something. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> she's doing with her gimmick. Uh, but... I mean, it just it makes Raw even more cringy every single week with uh, mm-hmm. with her trying to become Mighty Molly 2.0. Uh, I think probably the biggest shocker though was Braun Strowman. 
especially right. with him being a merchandise with him being a merchandise mover. Uh, you know, he, he out of uh, out of all the people they released, he's the one who has sold the mo- the most merchandise, and. He also, I guess apparently he was making a million dollars per year. I believe uh, his contract uh, mm-hmm. uh, when when his contract leaked, I believe it said he was he was making up to a million dollars per year on his deal with the WWE. Yeah, and you know it, it got people thinking on uh, you know the internet wrestling community is WWE potentially heading for a sale. Because if you're going to release these, uh, you know, if you're going to release people like that who actually sell merchandise for you, you're basically trying to make the product more, uh, you know, more, more appetizing for potential buyers. So, you know, I can't really wrap my head around the Braun Strowman release. Uh, what, what, what are right. your thoughts, Evan? Because, I mean, this is a guy, this is a guy who had just recently been in the, in the world title picture over on Raw. Right. Now, and not only that, but he had just got done wrestling Shane McMahon at WrestleMania, which usually they don't let anyone wrestle one of the McMahons. Wrestling either Vince or Shane is usually seen as a big deal. Yeah. It's usually it's usually seen as you know, if you're if you're wrestling either with or against them, if you're involved in any sort of program, usually there's something big coming your way. Now, obviously, with the Miz later on, he end, when he was uh, tagging champions at one point with Shane. Uh, obviously, we all know uh, a year or so later he ended up becoming Money in the Bank and then winning uh, the WWE t- the uh, the Raw uh, championship just a uh, just for a short bit. Uh, but you know, with Braun. Former, he's a former world champion. He won it at WrestleMania, no less. Uh, a former world champion, you know he he's the type of guy that Vince always that Vince loves, like the the perfect body type and everything. Right, like a uh, big, strong, muscular, muscular brute, basically, uh, with with the size the size of, of of pretty much by size, I mean height, uh, the size of the big show, for example, you know? So mm-hmm. it's kind of surprising that WWE has decided, especially with AEW now officially being a competition, you know, Bra- Braun Strowman now all of a sudden is getting released uh, there have been rumors that maybe WWE may be looking to sell. I know NBC was reportedly interested, uh, especially after they bought the uh, the P or not Peacock. Uh, after they bought the WWE Network to put onto Peacock, and you know many 
financial experts have said you don't see stuff like this getting done unless you're trying to make your product more more marketable for a potential sale. I I just uh, what what are your thoughts, Evan? Are we potentially looking at the final the final months as uh, Vince McMahon being the owner? I honestly don't know. It's like no one ever really thought Vince would sell. It would just go to Shane or Stephanie and by extension Triple H or somebody. But, I mean, it's it's really weird because ever since AEW has mm-hmm. put themselves onto the uh, into the wrestling scene. All of a sudden, we've been seeing Vince McMahon do things off script, I guess you could say, right. uh, compared to compared to how everything was just smooth sailing for him ever since he purchased WCW. And, I mean, yeah, there was a little bit of competition from TNA, but after TNA basically became a dumpster fire, uh, they really faded into the background for the most part, and Vince, you know, didn't really feel threatened. Uh, Then you have AEW. Now, granted, AEW hasn't been drawing in millions of viewers and whatnot. They're, you know, they've been drawing – above NXT type numbers. Right. And the fact that the fact that Vince saw that AEW was consistently outperforming NXT every single week on the USA uh on, on Wednesday nights. I mean, they switched NXT over to Tuesdays now. And I don't know, there's just there's a lot of decisions that have been made by Vince this year that have really really drawn uh, from the hardcore wrestling fans, you know, is, is Vince potentially gearing up for a sale? Maybe he's just lost his touch. Uh, I don't know. You know, uh, like for example, with him also releasing Aleister Black, you know, just like when they released, uh, just like when they released Zelina Vega, there were a whole bunch of, uh, you know, there were a whole bunch of people who went to bat for Zelina Vega saying that this was a mistake that Vince was making. And the same thing happened here with Aleister Black. There's a lot, a lot of high upper, upper uh, level names that have gone to bat for Aleister Black saying that this was a big mistake that Vince made by releasing him. Uh, and the same thing actually with Samoa Joe, who we just saw come back, uh, come back to NXT uh, within the past couple of weeks. Triple H was actually a very big proponent in bringing him back, apparently. And, right. You know, uh, a lot of people, while yeah, Samoa Joe hasn't really been wrestling recently due to injury. Uh, and he's basically been waiting now for clearance. You know, a lot of people feel that having a name like Samoa Joe be brought out to the free agent market, I guess you could say, uh, for wrestlers, 
and him getting potentially picked up by AEW could be a potential, I, I wouldn't say disaster, but it would, it would spell out bad news for the WWE. Right. And I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing. It's with Samoa Joe being brought back to NXT, he's basically Stone Cold Steve Austin from 2003 now where he's, uh, unless he's physically provoked, he can't lay his hands on, on anybody. Uh, and he's basically stone cold when he was, when, uh, when he had been fired from general manager and, uh, he became the quote unquote sheriff of, of WWE raw. So, I mean, you know, clearly, it seems to it seems to feel like that Vince is starting to make a whole bunch of mistakes in regards mm-hmm. to in, you know in, in regards to uh, what exactly he's doing uh, with his company, and not just that, you know, it's it's not just the talent that's been getting released; they've been firing. Uh, they've been firing, you know, uh, front office, uh, front office higher ups. Like for example, uh, they just released uh, Sanjay Dutt from the company. Uh, however, right. I guess apparent, I guess apparently though, in Dutt's case, uh, this was something that was in the books for quite a while that Dutt was planning on leaving. Apparently, so that's not really. Um, You know that's that's not really news, I guess. Uh, there yeah. was also news that uh, they had they had released uh, their executive vice executive vice president of talent development, Canyon Seaman. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. C, spelled C E M A N. I assume it's Seaman or Kemen or maybe I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. However, according to Fightful's Sean Ross staff, uh, WWE apparently reached out and they stated that Canyon has not been let go by the WWE. So there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of circulating rumors uh, that are that are going around here. Oh, that's what it was. It was the, uh, you know, two of the names that I mentioned were released uh, was the Ever Rise tag team from NXT. Mm-hmm. That was two of the names that I had uh, that I had that I had mentioned, uh, and apparently, John Laurinaitis has been handling all of these, uh, you know, all of these releases. Right. It was uh, Samoa Joe mentioned that uh, in an interview with Ryan Satin that. John Laurinaitis called him up and basically told him that they were going to have to release him from his deal. So Laurinaitis is basically being the bad guy here, I guess you could say. Uh, Right. As opposed to, as opposed to, you know, actually being, uh, he's the one taking the fall. I guess you could say of any of the any of the backlash going on. Um, 
you know, one of the other uh, we're sort of we're sort of transitioning away from uh, from WWE for a minute here, uh, but one of I, I don't know if you heard about the Logan Paul uh, Floyd Mayweather fight. That had uh, mm. that had taken place a couple weeks ago, or actually almost a, a month ago, I should say. Yeah. Now, as you as you know, Logan Paul, uh, he was involved. He he got involved with WWE. He did this uh, this appearance at WrestleMania and the SmackDown before WrestleMania and stuff like that. Well, apparently, he decided to go uh, for his second career to one of the greatest to ever to ever box in Floyd Money Mayweather and I mean let's let's just put it out there right now Mayweather made a complete a complete joke out of him uh Paul looked gassed from literally the second the second minute of the fight I mean he was all, already breathing out of his uh out of his mouth it I mean, he, Floyd basically said it was it w- it was basically a heist before the before the fight even began. Like it, it's as if he was telling people, you know, we're robbing you of your money, but yet you're still going to pay in order to in order to watch us. Mm-hmm. I I want to get your thoughts, Evan, on some of these freak show fights that we've seen come up. I mean, it's one thing to have Mike Tyson face off against Roy Jones Jr., like what happened a couple mm-hmm. months ago, because they're two, you know, they're two former boxers. Yeah, granted, right. uh, granted, they should they should stay retired, but. Uh, those two have actually have actually, you know, fought before. But what do you think about these freak show exhibition fights that we've been seeing take place? Uh with for just for uh the most recent one, Floyd Money Mayweather and Logan Paul going to eight rounds. How did it go eight rounds? With uh, basic, <laughs> basically, Paul only landed. Oh my God! You know what? I need to bring up the stats again. Hang on, I need to bring up the stats again because uh, no, no, seriously, no joke. It's amazing that this fight even went the full eight rounds. Because uh, you take a look at the if you take a look at the punching stats. <laughs> Uh, of this fight in total, if I can bring it up here uh, real quick, uh, the total punches, Mayweather landed 43, Paul landed 28. Hang on. Hang on, no, that can't be right because I read something. I read something different. Hang on one second. Okay, the CompuBox punch stats. 
Uh, I guess so. So, total punches landed. Paul threw 217 punches all eight rounds. To Floyd Mayweather's 107 punches thrown. Paul only landed 28, which which comes out to 12.9%. Mayweather landed 43 which which rounds out to 40.2% of his punches landed. Mhm. For the most part and and uh, I believe Logan actually got dropped at one point if I recall correctly. Uh yeah. You know, it's it really seemed like Mayweather was really turning it turning it into more of a joke to be perfectly honest. I mean, he claimed that Paul surprised him with uh, that he didn't think that Logan was going to be as good as he was. But I mean, Logan was was just gassed pretty much right after the first round, and the rest of the fight almost became a hug fest, a one sided hug fest on uh, on Logan's uh, on Logan's part. Then. As if, as if you know, this whole thing wasn't enough in terms of uh, freak show fights. We also can't forget his brother, Jake Paul, who is set to fight mm-hmm. Tyrone Woodley, uh, UFC cha- former UFC champion Tyrone Woodley, uh, on August 28th. And he just knocked out Ben Askren, in a minute 59 seconds uh, back in April. And keep in mind, Ben Askren, he isn't the type of fighter who actually has, who, who has power punches, so to speak. He doesn't really have power punches. But, yet yeah, these are professional fights. And, you know, they're making Jake Paul into this big deal. He knocked out a random YouTuber who who – barely had the same amount of experience as him, which was basically none. He knocked out a drunk Nate Robinson. Yes, the Nate Robinson who played basketball <laughs> uh, in the second round, which then became an internet meme all over Twitter. Uh, and then he knocks out Ben Askren, even though Askren clearly looked okay as he got back up. But the ref was like, no, no, you're done. You're done. Uh, it just seems to me, Evan, that these type of freak show fights, as I call them, are putting a stain, a further stain on the sport of boxing. Mm-hmm. And Lou, uh, who is probably going to join us uh, at some point within the next hour, uh, you know, he's pretty much agreed with me on this on this part. So, I, what are, what are your thoughts, Evan? You know, granted they're exhibition, quote unquote, exhibition fights. Well, in Jake Paul's case, it wasn't really exhibition. In Jake Paul's case, right. these actually counted. These actually counted as actual boxing fights. Oh, and here we are, uh, Lou. I'm here, Steve. Uh, Sorry, you are. Wait. That's a, that's okay. Uh, I've been talking with Evan uh, the past uh, oh, past thirty minutes or so here. Um, 
I mean, I just I just brought up the topic of uh, of boxing with Ooh. with basically uh, you know just just going back going back to the Mayweather Logan Paul fight that I yeah. I'm still I'm still stunned even happened, and now we're gonna have. <laughs> Jake Paul against Tyrone Woodley in August. What? Oh yeah, yeah. And well, I mean, let me get your thoughts, Lou, on these freak. I call them freak show fights. Now, I know. granted the grant, granted the Logan Paul fight against Mayweather didn't really count because it was exhibition, but right here you have. You have Jake Paul, who uh, honestly, I don't even think he really he really beat Ben Askren because Askren clearly looked like he was able to continue, but the ref cut right. it off anyways. Uh, Dumb. And yet, for some reason, they're making such a big deal out of Jake Paul. Like he made headlines when he signed a deal when he signed a new deal with Showtime uh, to fight exclusively under the Showtime banner. I, what are yes. your thoughts, Lou, on these on these freak show fights that, for some reason, just, boxing is deciding to uh, to book here? I think that's why boxing has gone down so much popularity because you've gotten all these ridiculous sham fights and whatnot, and it doesn't really you know count for anything. So you can see why it's you know losing out to MMA, UFC, and anything else that comes along. So it's no wonder why boxing is trying to. Uh, you know, come with some kind of these gimmicks uh, to make it look interesting, when in actuality, it's nothing more than just a crappy version of a reality series. Which is bad enough. It's, exactly. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous looking at, just just looking at some of these, uh, I mean, it was one thing to have Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. fight against each other, because at least they've, you know, granted they're long since retired, uh, but they have at least they have at least fought at a high level before. You know, right. the the whole Floyd the whole Floyd Logan Paul fight. I mean, it honestly it seemed like it seemed like uh, it seemed very uncharacteristic of Floyd to stoop himself down to the level of fighting an amateur. Mm-hmm. But. It did make big money, apparently, on pay-per-view. So, I guess right. you know they they said that it was that it was a very easy heist to uh, you know to steal money out of uh, out of people's wallets who would be stupid enough to pay for it uh, when they could, the, when the they could pay. You, stupid. You know when they when they could pay for you know an actual boxing fight between two actual boxers. Right. So it's just it's just flat out ridiculous. And and now, like I said, they're making a big deal that Jake Paul has signed a deal with uh, with Showtime to become oh boy, you know, to to fight exclusively under the Showtime banner. And Showtime's more like shit time he, now. And he hasn't even fought a legitimate boxer yet. He's entering his fourth fight, and so far all he's fought are amateurs and a former MMA fighter, and soon to be soon to be uh, uh, he, his next fight is a former UFC champion. 
Uh-huh. So it's, it, I guess this is a new era that boxing is entering. Hell, I should, I should train to become a boxer, fight in the heavyweight division, you know? <laughs> and well, maybe uh, have, maybe, aren't you like, uh, over, aren't you like a little bit too late, Steve? Yeah, probably. But, uh, I mean, you know, 29, 29 years old, it's, Kind of, kind of late well, to, well, to become yeah, a to too, become a pro yeah, boxer. Yeah, well, so you, you got to start training young too. So I think you might be yeah. a little bit late. But yeah, you know, even in boxing years, you're that's still considered well fairly young. But uh, I don't know if you're running the boxing shape. <laughs> yeah, but but still though, you know, like like you said, I would have to spend a couple of years training to become a boxer, and right, you know. Hell, if 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 it was this easy, I could uh, I could sign myself up for a couple of these freak show fights and and you know <laughs> get a whole bunch of money that way. I guess uh, like the uh, like the Paul yeah. brother. I guess I guess it's because you know they're they're basically boxing is trying to trying to get the younger generation interested. Apparently, so they decided let's have two YouTubers fight. And how is that going people. so far? <laughs> Well, I mean, it has made boxing money, believe it or not. Very little. Uh, the Floyd the Floyd fight drew well over a, a well over a million viewers, apparently. Huh. This day and age, that's not bad. Of course, back in the old days, that'd be nothing. And actually, uh, it did have a very good undercard too. I should say. Uh, as a matter of fact, Chad really? Johnson, uh, Chad Ochocinco, uh, fought <laughs> on the undercard. And I'll tell you one thing, for a first-time boxer, Ochocinco was not bad at all. I mean, he, was, he, he looked better than, uh, than Logan Paul did. And he was fighting an actual boxer for his first uh-huh. fight. And then, of course, uh, I believe it was either last week or the week before we had Anderson Silva, who had fought in professional boxing before before he became yes. most known before he became most known for his uh, for being one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. He did fight in boxing uh, for one or two fights, I think, beforehand. He ended up yeah. beating Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Ten rounds, I forget, but it was a it was a uh, a split decision victory for Anderson Silva. And uh, Chavez's father said that his son should hang it up after losing to Anderson Silva. Yeah. And and Cesar Chavez Jr. is like in his mid thirties, I think, or or maybe early thirties, I forget. Yes. But. You know, it's it's different if you're somebody like Anderson Silva who has actually fought in boxing before, you know, that I can get behind. I can I don't mind having to potentially, you know, shell out money for an for a fight of uh Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. against Anderson Silva. But you know, Floyd Mayweather flat out set, flat out told people that he was basically robbing them of their money. Right. And you know, to be perfectly honest, if I'm going to watch a fight, I'm going to wa- I'm going to I'm going to watch a fight against 
people who have actually, uh, you know, starring people who have actually fought before, not an amateur against the greatest boxer of all time. Right. But anyways, you know, that's enough, that's enough of, uh, of me ranting about that. Uh, I think we should get to the NHL with what we thought was going to be an intriguing Stanley Cup final has instead really <laughs> turned into a complete blowout. Yeah, it has. With yeah. the Tampa Bay the Tampa Bay Lightning uh winning over the Montreal Canadiens six to three last night in game three leading the series three games to none now with game four set to take place tomorrow night. Monday. Uh, or no, no, I'm sorry, not tomorrow night, Monday. It's Monday that it's set to take place. And uh, honestly, you know, just, just looking at this series, they have outscored the Canadiens by a total of 14 to 5 in three yeah. games. Yeah, everybody not thought games that, that way. the Canadians, Canadians having the Cinderella story of somehow being somehow coming into the playoffs as the lowest ranked team out of all the playoff teams. Every right. nobody gave them a chance whatsoever, and yet somehow they end up upsetting they end up upsetting the Toronto Maple Leafs, who a lot of people had picked as a potential front runner for the for the Stanley Cup this year. Uh they then upset the Jets and then they upset the the Vegas Golden Knights. And now all of a sudden they're in the Stanley Cup final and either either they're completely starstruck or yeah. or they're you know, this is just a much different talent talent level that they're facing off against. In Tampa. I think the Canadians just ran out of gas. I mean, it's possible. Uh, you know, Evan, Evan, what are your thoughts? You know, is is this a case of uh, the Canadians running out of gas, or could this just be that you know the Lightning are are a much better team? Compared to any of the other teams that the Canadians have faced in the, in, uh, in these playoffs, honestly, I have to think running out of gas. I mean, there were there were shots that Canadian goaltender Carey Price should have ma- should have saved in some of right. in, in these first three games. And uh, he ended up uh, he ended up having them go by. That kind of it kind of makes me wonder: Is Price injured? Is that the problem here? Or you know, like I said, is is this just a case of the fact that Tampa Bay? I mean, it's they're already uh, not playing fairly by being able to have. by being able to be 17 million above the cap limit, and this is this was an exception that was made by the NHL this season, 
uh, right. because of the fact that mm-hmm. because of the fact that Nikita Kucherov didn't even he got injured before the season even began, and now all of a sudden he's allowed back for the playoffs. And like I said last week, I would assume that there that there's going to be some sort of stiff penalty that he's going to face uh, for this. And now the, you know, the Lightning are just one win away from repeating yeah. uh, as yeah. Stanley Cup champions here. And, you know, looking at I mean, this, it has uh, been done, but they come back from 3-0 to force a game seven, and one team is one. But history is not on that side. I mean, Montreal is looking very weak. They don't look very competitive at all. And, you know, yeah. They, they were they were lucky. Yeah. Like, I don't know when you term lucky against Vegas, but they somehow managed to survive it. But I think no, maybe I wouldn't took say a lot lucky. I wouldn't say lucky. If anything, they were lucky against Toronto. Right. They were lucky that against because Toronto their because their star player was injured. True. I mean, yeah, one of their star players, but they still have Austin Matthews. They still have Mitch Marner, who who made uh who made the top uh. The NHL first team. Yeah, the Matthews is better. Well, I think that's obvious. I think it's obvious that uh, Matthews, you know, he's one of the top centers in the league, uh, or at yeah. least in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, I I would say that Montreal, if you want to say they got lucky, I would say they got lucky against against Toronto. Uh, it was yeah. clear, you know, with Sh- with with Shifley getting suspended. Uh, for the Jets, you know, Montreal was clearly the better team of the two. Even before Shifley got suspended, you know, it, it looked it looked like, uh, you know, they were the they were the better team. Even before Shifley got suspended, uh, then, you know, when it came when it came to Vegas, the problem with Vegas is they got no offense whatsoever out of their forwards. It was basically all from the defense that they got goals from. So, right. I think that's probably more of a credit to Carey Price, if anything. Yeah. The fact that he was able to stymie uh, the high-powered, uh, the high-powered offense of Vegas all series long. Mm-hmm. But. Then again, you know, like when I, I, said, I make a prediction, it doesn't come out right anyway. So why am I not surprised when I buy the result anyway? Because, you know, I was thinking it was going to be, you know, Vegas getting into the final because this is not a slouch team. For someone who's only been around for like three and a half years, they have really shown that they are contenders in the NHL. I mean, most expansion teams don't get good to let me like, oh, I don't know, six, seven, maybe eight years. But they rise that fast. So this team is not a joke. Oh yeah, no, they definitely aren't a joke. And honestly, I think oh. even if they still had, if they had their, if they had their former coach Gerard Gallant, I think they probably would still be in the same position they're in right now. Absolutely. And uh, from what I'm seeing here, actually, speaking about expansion teams, uh, the potential draft pick for the Seattle Kraken, uh, Matthew Beniers who is looking to be – it looks like he's probably going to be the number two pick in the draft this year behind uh, Owen Power. Uh, it looks like um, Veneers will be 
he will probably be returning to the University of Michigan next year. Uh-huh. There you go. From what it sounds school. like. Yeah. As uh he, he did score he scored ten goals and fourteen assists in twenty four games this year as a freshman uh for Michigan. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like he's considering playing the NCAA season, especially now uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but NCAA does that count? Does that sponsorship uh, agreement count towards all athletes, or is it just football and basketball and baseball? Mm, no, I think it's all. But since nobody really gives a rat's ass about hockey, they only just pay attention like uh, mostly football and, and basketball. I mean, they do. They are aware of hockey and baseball that exist, other college-wise, but most of them don't really give a cat's ass. Oh yeah, but I mean, they could still, you know, they could still get like local sponsorships, you know, like uh, <laughs> for example, uh, they could get sponsored by, like, if you're if you're from Boston College or something, they could get sponsored by Shaw's, or right, or something like that, you know, uh, well, and somehow make money that way. A few games on ESPN two. And a few minor um, outlets, but nothing, nothing really major. What a shock! True. And you know what? This actually, this is actually a good segue into uh, one of the big uh, topics that has that has come up in recent memory, with uh, the agreement officially being made that uh, college athletes can now get can now get paid uh, for uh, you know sponsorships and whatnot. Um. You know, I Not think a big thing. I think a big thing uh, to come up here is: could this potentially convince college athletes to stay in college as opposed to, yes, you know, declaring for the draft in like the, at the end of their sophomore year? Absolutely, this I think is going to be a major. It's going to be a major shift in the other direction because you know, what are they college sports going to Maybe I can get even better in the draft. 
Yeah, you know, that that's the thing. You know, maybe perhaps if players are looking to potentially – you know, maybe maybe their drafts because I, I know there are there are uh, some basketball college basketball players who who declare right. even though they're going to go into the set even though they're they won't they probably won't be picked until like the second round for example. You know, right. maybe maybe this may convince certain players like, well, you know, I'm I'm only getting you know I'm 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 only getting. Uh, you know, a second round grade right now in, in the draft. So maybe perhaps, you know, I can, I, I mean, I, I am getting paid for endorsements while in college, you know, maybe I can stay in college, hone my craft a little bit and, you know, maybe try and improve my stock for next year. Right. Cause I mean, but, Let's just let's take a look at one of the uh, one of the players who is looking like a pretty big uh, a pretty big NFL uh, NFL draftee potentially next year, and that's Derek King of uh, the University of Miami. He's a he's their quarterback. Uh, he agreed to a deal worth a reported two uh, twenty thousand dollars to promote no, Florida base. I was back in a little while. Okay. You know, uh, Derek King, he came to an agreement worth about $20,000 to promote Florida, a Florida-based moving company on social media. And he has also partnered with uh, Florida State quarterback Mackenzie Milton to co-found uh, the company Dreamfield, which is a company that will assist student athletes in booking live events, such as autograph signings and speaking engagements. So, you know, if you have if you have these college, you know, these college athletes starting to uh starting to make some money while playing uh at the college level, you know, why not stay in college, you know, make that make that money and also, you know, try to I mean, granted, it's you know you're not going to be making uh, the money that you would make depending on your draft uh, on your draft uh, where you're drafted, you know, in your respective draft. But yeah. you would at least be making some money to to be able to live off of, you know, while you're in college for those remaining two or three years, however long, you know, depending on what year you signed up or what year you uh you were going to potentially you know declare yourself for the draft in so it kind of makes sense for uh for you know for 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 uh, players to potentially stay on Uh, let's see some of the other, uh, you know, some, some of the other things here, uh, in particular, just just trying to look at some of some of the endorsements. Uh, Auburn's quarterback Bo Nix, uh, he announced an endorsement with Milo's uh, Sweet Tea on his Instagram account. You know. Uh, there's 
a whole bu- a whole bunch of different. Uh, shortly after that rule went into effect, you know, there was a whole bunch of a whole bunch of players had agreed to or had officially uh, agreed to to different endorsement deals. And another thing to to think about as well here, EA Sports is working on a new. Uh, you know, you know they're they're working they're working on a new NCAA game, and they're trying to get the real likenesses of real college, real college players. So the, the, it's basically what it sounds like, especially with this new agreement in place. This is going to allow players, uh, college players, to actually make money off of those ga- off of those games by appearing in the games through uh, uh, what's the uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, residuals, I think, or yeah, I think it's residuals uh, money money that you make uh, off of appearing on like a DVD or or something. Mm-hmm. So you know there, there's much more. There, there's a much bigger argument to staying at the college level, especially if you if you feel that you're that you're not going to be drafted high. Right. You know, it, there's there's much more of a reason to stay in college and to get money that way you'll you'll still be getting money you won't be getting you know the money that you would be getting at the major league level or even at the actually come to think of it i think they would probably be making the same amount of money depending on what level that they would play at uh like for hockey for example i don't think the juniors make money um like if they're on a junior league team like the OHL, WHL, uh, QMJHL, uh, the AHL, I know they can make up to, I think it's like two hundred thousand or something uh, for a season. Obviously, if they get promoted to the majors, it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, Major League Baseball, where if you get promoted up to the majors, your salary increases to like five hundred thousand minimum or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, or whatever your contract states, you know that would be the salary that would uh, that it would be bumped up to. Uh, but you know, I, I just see there being more pros to actually staying in the in college at this point, as opposed to as opposed to cons. Right. Uh, let's see. You know, we're gonna we're gonna go back to uh, to hockey in a little bit here, but I want to get your thoughts, Evan. Uh, considering it does involve a former member of the San Antonio Spurs, uh, you may remember him as an assistant coach, uh, Ime Udoka, uh, who had won a NBA title, the last uh, the last title that the that the Spurs had uh, with Greg Popovich. Uh, Ime Udoka became a became a head coach for the Boston Celtics. 
as of a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with you being a Spur, uh, you being a big Spurs fan, I I'm, I assume you'd probably you probably remember who he is, right? Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on uh, you know a lot of people consider Udoka uh, to be one of the highest qualified candidates in this year's uh, this year's coaching carousel, as I like to call it. What are your thoughts of mm-hmm. uh, of Ime Udoka getting the uh, getting the call to to be the new head coach for uh, for the Boston Celtics? Yeah. I'm interested to see what he does with the Celtics. It's like, yeah, I root for the Spurs, but a lot of times I'll look at the teams that have like former Spurs coaches or or whatever the assistants and kind of root for them a little bit as well. I was kind of hoping Kawhi could have at least gotten the Clippers a ring, even though the way he left. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's I, I think it would have been a lot different for the Clippers if Kawhi was actually healthy and he didn't get injured. Right. Um Right. It was a uh it was a bad ending to to the Clippers season. Uh though I think that Tyron Liu is ten and three, I think, in his career now, uh in elimination mm-hmm. games in the playoffs as a uh, as a head coach. So yeah. Uh, even though Kawhi Leonard is a free agent this year, it sounds like Kawhi is planning on staying uh, in L.A. So, you know, Kawhi does have a competent coach uh, as his head coach. You know, having having won an NBA title with the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and also, I believe, the L.A. Lakers when he was a player, too. Uh, mm-hmm. But... Yeah, you know, I think that series would have been a whole lot different if Kawhi Leonard was uh, was healthy and the Clippers didn't have to rely on Paul George uh, hitting free throws, which ultimately is what killed them. Uh, but you know what? You know, now that now that we're specifically on that topic, uh, what did you think of? What what did you think of uh, of the Suns advancing to the NBA Finals? Because it really seems like ever since they got Chris Paul, he's pretty much been the difference maker this whole season. Oh yeah, definitely. You know it's. It's it's almost it's almost as if and it's very it's very hard to imagine that this is Chris Paul's first final mm-hmm. in 13 seasons right. that he's been in the league. Uh, but what's weird is you know even if Kawhi Leonard was healthy, I'm not necessarily sure that the that the Clippers could have even beat the Suns because the Suns. Seem to be the better all around <laughs> when you look at their entire yeah. roster. So I can't really say that 
you know, I'm surprised that that the Suns ended up advancing. But I guess it's more the fact that, you know, with the with the Clippers making the NBA finals for the first or not making the NBA finals, making the uh the conference finals for the first time in their in their uh, 50 year history, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. people were thinking maybe this is maybe this is finally their year. And obviously, you know, with Kawhi Leonard getting injured, uh, they would have to rely more on their bench, which that ultimately ended up uh, ended up not helping them. Nope. And thus, you know, the Clippers uh, season ended up uh, ended up uh, finishing in I think it was like five or six games or something like that. Uh, and. Actually, the uh, Phoenix Suns, you know, they may not have to wait much longer for their opponent because it, right now Milwaukee has a 13-point lead over the Atlanta Hawks in game six here. So <laughs> yep. it's entirely possible. We may, be, we may be looking at a Phoenix-Milwaukee final, and this is even more bizarre because Giannis Antetokounmpo is injured for Milwaukee with a hyperextended knee. And if anybody if anybody knows about hyperextended knee injuries, you know, you're not going to be at 100% the rest of the way. Right. So, you know, it's, I think I think it's going to be a pretty interesting final if it ends up being Milwaukee and and Phoenix because these are two high scoring offenses and you know the, I think the biggest question is going to be how healthy will, will Giannis be because if he's not healthy you know then. And if he's not healthy to the point of, you know, where, where, uh, his somebody can pick up his slack, so to speak, then Milwaukee could potentially be in trouble. Even though uh, the all indications were that if if Milwaukee uh, ended up losing Game Six and uh, going to a Game Seven, that Giannis would play in Game Seven. I'm not really all that certain that if you're Milwaukee, you know, that you want to that you want to put your top star into a into a game so quickly after suffering the hyperextended knee. I don't know. It's it, it, this is going to make for a very interesting final round though here in the NBA uh Well, in the NBA, period, because, (laughs) oh, my God, and Milwaukee just keeps on, they just keep on piling on Atlanta right now. I think we can pretty much say it is is going to be a Milwaukee-Phoenix final here uh, from what we're looking at, and... I mean, you've you got Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul going up against uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. I mean, this is looking for a – you know, a lot, a lot of people thought 
that with the exits early on of uh, of the Brooklyn Nets and the L.A. Lakers, you know that there weren't going to be any any big uh, finals teams this year. But possible, you know, with Milwaukee and Phoenix, honestly, they're pretty even. I'm not I'm not even sure if I could really call. Uh, an NBA Finals uh, result here. I mean, if it was Phoenix and Atlanta, I'd probably give the edge to Phoenix, but with Milwaukee and Phoenix, I'm not really sure I can uh, I can name a winner. I mean, it's different, obviously, with you know with the Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup, uh, Tampa Bay, and and Montreal. I mean, it's clearly obvious you know, based on the talent level that Tampa Bay is clearly the better of the two teams. But right. Phoenix and uh Phoenix and Milwaukee, quite frankly, they're pretty even. But let's see, uh some other oh, speaking of Kawhi Leonard actually, he was reportedly unhappy with the Clippers medical staff and their handling of his knee injury. According to Skip Bayless on uh, on his undisputed show on on Fox Sports One, uh, he was told by a very good source that the first issue became where became that Ky- that Kawhi was unhappy with the Clippers medical staff because he felt that they early on misdiagnosed and underplayed the extent of his knee injury, which is why you know every single game he was uh, he was announced as basically a game time decision for every single game, even though it's fairly obvious if you have a UCL or an ACL tear, obviously ACL being, uh, you know, the more severe of the two, if you have an ACL tear, is there any athlete that plays with a torn ACL? Unless it's partially torn. I mean, I can't think of one. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, wait. No, 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 no. I'm thinking. I'm thinking wrong. Joel Embiid had a, had a uh, partially torn meniscus, not ACL. Uh, you know, there, there were there were conflicting reports. At first, it was said that Kawhi Leonard had a partially torn UCL. Uh, there was fear that he had torn his ACL. I mean, it, it, I can sort of see where where he's talking about being frustrated about the misdiagnosis right. uh, of his knee injury. Uh, Bayless then went on to say that Leonard needs knee surgery and wouldn't play again in the playoffs. This was when the Clippers were still in. Uh, to complicate things further, Leonard is also going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. And while he is expected to return, he could he could quickly change his mind if he's pissed off at the at the uh, Clippers for their handling of his uh, of his injury. And you may you may remember a similar situation developing uh, when when he was formerly a member of the Spurs. Right. You know, this is sort of how he ended his time with the Spurs, because uh, the Spurs had become had become kind of careless uh, 
with how they uh, with how they treated him. Sounds like here, yeah, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard, he may not he may not necessarily be a lock to return to the Clippers next year. I mean, what, what do you think, Evan? You know, I had said earlier that Kawhi is probably going to return to L.A., but could this potentially change things? I definitely think it could change things. Like we've seen what happens when Kawhi feels like he's not being treated right. Like, that's – basically why he had left the Spurs. Uh, and, you know, another thing that's another thing to keep in mind, too, is the fact that usually, you know, if you, if you want endorsements and sponsorships and everything, L.A. is the place to be. Mm-hmm. You know, L.A. Right. is basically the center. <laughs> you know, you're in, you're in Hollywood, basically. So that's what kind of makes me think that he's probably going to stay in L.A. because, you know, why leave a place that is so upper level when it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes to money? I mean, unless unless he really is completely pissed off, I mean, yeah, maybe he'll leave the Clippers, but maybe he'll stay in L.A. and sign with the Lakers. Right. Uh, and, and man, what a team that would be. What a team that would be. You got LeBron James, you got uh, Anthony Davis, and now you add Kawhi Leonard to that team. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, oh, man. Talk about uh talk about potential favorites for the uh for the NBA Finals next year. Yeah. Although also they would have to take into account too, with Golden State getting uh, Clay Thompson back, assuming that Clay Thompson can stay healthy, you know, uh, obviously they're going to be looking to potentially bring somebody in to Golden State. As a matter of fact, I've heard that Golden State is, they have the number seven pick this year. And they're dangling around the number seven pick, as well as James Wiseman, who they just got in the draft this past year. Uh, they're trying to package the two together to try and get a to try and bring a, another star to uh, to Golden State. And I don't know if that's going to be enough to get it done because I mean you do have stars on the market like Damian Lillard. Uh, you know Ben Simmons. Although I've heard Ben Simmons may be off the market now, but uh, Ben Simmons, you know, he's been involved in mm-hmm. uh, in the rumor mill. Uh, you know, uh, there's the potential that maybe, perhaps, Portland, if they if they do keep Damian Lillard, they may try to uh, they may try to offload uh, C.J. McCollum to try and bring somebody else in. Bradley Beal, he's been uh, a big topic as well, you know. There's there's a lot of names that are floating around in the uh, NBA uh, trade uh, the NBA trade mill right now. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. 
uh, in regards to the off season here because I think that you know the the Celtics, for example, they've uh, they've hinted at at some fireworks happening uh, besides the Fourth of July. Uh, the Celtics have been named as a team to watch in this uh, in this off season. Obviously, you know they got Jason Tatum, they got Jalen Brown. They just they just traded uh, Kemba Walker a couple of weeks ago. You know, mm-hmm. and from all indicate all indications are they're not done with any of their moves that they're going to make. So it's going to be interesting. Because there, there's potential for some superstars to be possibly moved, and you can you can even add Jalen Brown to that mix, actually, of the of the Celtics. Yeah, Jalen Brown is another potential name that has been named to potentially be on the move, especially if there's a deal for say Damian Lillard or Ben Simmons. Uh, it, it, you know, it is known as well that uh, Philadelphia will not make a deal with Boston for Ben Simmons unless J- unless Jalen Brown is involved. So that's you know that's one uh, that's one thing uh, to to keep an eye on as well. Uh, the NBA they also announced today that uh, Clippers guard Patrick Beverly will be suspended for one game without pay beginning uh, basically he'll miss he'll miss opening night next year uh, for forcefully pushing Phoenix Suns guard Chris Paul from behind in Wednesday's game six loss Uh, the incident had occurred with five minutes 49 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter as the Clippers trailed by 26 points, 118 to 92, uh, with frustrations running high and the realization that his season was all but over, uh, Beverly pushed Paul in the back, knocking him to the ground as Paul was walking to his bench. Uh, Beverly was uh, assessed a technical foul and ejected from the game, and now he'll have to miss the first game that he is eligible to play uh, next season. As a result of that, Let's see, I, al- I already mentioned James Wiseman uh, being on the being dangled around for potential trades. This is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I mentioned that the Sixers, in a deal for Bo- with Boston for Ben Simmons, they would they would insist on Jalen Brown being part of the package. The Sixers actually just turned down an offer a couple of days ago, maybe even last night, actually. I, I don't know the exact date, but uh, they reportedly turned down an offer for Ben Simmons from the Indiana Pacers that included a package of Al. Of, of Al, uh, Al. Wow, I can't speak tonight. I don't know why. Of all-star mm-hmm. point guard Malcolm Brogdon, as well as a first-round pick. And the Sixers have reportedly already fielded offers, uh, different offers for Simmons, but they continue to hold a stance that they will only trade him for an all-star caliber player. Now, Brogdon is an all-star caliber player, 
and they would get a first-round pick in the deal, which considering the Pacers were one of the first teams eliminated from the playoffs, or actually they were eliminated in they were eliminated in the play-in tournament this year. So they would be in the mid-range, like uh, just outside of the draft lottery. So like 15 or 16th pick, something like that, uh, that they would be trading here to the 76ers. But yet, last week, uh, as I mentioned on on the show last week, Stephen A. Smith had said that reports uh, that there were reports that the 76ers are not opening to trade are not open to trading Ben Simmons were false and that calls were already made between Philadelphia and Golden State. That's another potential thing to look at too because Golden State, as I said, have been dangling the number seven overall pick as well as uh, their young stud center James Wiseman. Now, granted. Wiseman isn't really I, – I guess they wouldn't really need Wiseman because, I mean, the Sixers, they've already got Joel Embiid at center. So Wiseman, if anything, unless they unless they move him to point to, to power forward, uh, Wiseman would be would just be more of a more of a backup center. Honestly, would probably stunt his uh, his growth as a player, if anything. But you know the point. The point is, offers have already been made to the Sixers on Ben Simmons. So either he's getting moved soon, or they really aren't set on moving him, and that they were just looking to see what teams would potentially pay for somebody like Simmons. You know who's a who's a perennial free agent or not free agent a perennial all star anyways. And you know, speaking of all star uh, of all star guards, uh, Chris Haynes has reported that Damian Lillard's frustration over Portland not being a championship contender as well as the controversial hiring of Chauncey Billups as their head coach, uh, it may push Damian Lillard out of Portland. And the reason being because, uh, well, Billups was not a coaching option that was suggested by Lillard. And not to mention Billups has the sexual assault allegation from back in 1997 that is now all of a sudden starting to gain momentum uh, and also negative reactions uh, are being made to the uh, to the hiring of uh, of Chauncey Phillips as their head coach. So it's it's really look honestly it's really looking like a very volatile uh, volatile situation that's that's happening in all of the NBA you know with some of these with some of these stars I mean hell it's it's kind of, it's kind of hard to keep track of honestly all right let's go over to the NFL here as where is 
Hang on. Where's the – oh, okay, here it is. Uh, former Broncos wide receiver Demarius Thomas has officially announced his retirement after 10 seasons in the NFL. Uh, he was a former first-round pick in 2010, was one of the most productive receivers during Peyton Manning's run with the Broncos, carving up defenses with wide receiver screens and out-muscling and out-running defenders in Denver's high-powered offense. Uh, he ranks second in receiving yards with 9,655 and touchdown catches with 60, as well as third in receptions with 665 in Broncos history. Uh, he played in Denver for nine years. He's, he is first in receiving yards per game at 72.4 yards per game among Broncos who have appeared in at least 30 games. Yet, for some reason, ever since leaving Denver, Thomas just hasn't been the same player at all, which kind of makes sense why he's retiring at the age of 33. It just, seem, it just seems like uh, th- this is one of those cases where injury has pretty much, pretty much turned a player into a shell of their former self. Because ever since he came down with that injury, he just he hasn't been anywhere close uh, to the uh, to the star receiver that he was that he was with uh, back when Peyton Manning was uh, was the leader of that Broncos offense. And also in regards to retirements, uh, Rams left tackle Andrew Whitworth, who has been an All-Pro uh, before, has said that 2021 will probably be the end of his career. Uh, he is entering his 16th NFL season, so I mean it kind of makes sense uh, with him about <laughs> to turn age 40. Uh, that you know retirement would be a potential option. Uh, he revealed as well that when recovering from a patella injury in 2019 or 20, not 2019, 2013, he had set a goal to play until he was 40 years old. So now on the precipice of his, of his age 40 season, uh, it looks like this will be the final year that uh, he will be still one of the top left tackles in the league. Uh, playing for the Rams, but however, he only played in 11 games last season, uh, even though he was the sixth ranked tackle in all of, uh, in all of the NFL in 2020. And speaking of tackles, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that uh, the Saints have re-signed right tackle Ra- Ryan Ramzik to a five-year, $96 million contract extension. Uh, this deal will make Ramzik the highest-paid right tackle in the league, which includes $60 million in guaranteed money. Uh, the team had previously exercised his fifth-year option back in March, 
uh, after he played nearly every snap over the previous three seasons. Uh, He again played 16 games in uh, 2020 and was graded by Pro Football Focus as the league's 14th best tackle. Uh, His presence will continue to be the key uh, for the Saints if they want to have any success at the run game, the, the same success that they've had in the past couple of years. Uh, the NFL has suspended Panthers wide receiver Ventel Bryant for two games for violating the league's substance abuse policy. Bryant was arrested for a DUI back in March of 2020 when he was with Dallas. The uh, 24-year-old only has one career catch for 15 yards. So basically, basically he's either a special teamer or a career backup, essentially, uh, so far in his career. The Miami Herald's Adam Beasley has reported that wide receiver Tamarian Terry was indicted for felony murder of a 21-year-old in a 2018 gang-related mass shooting in Georgia. Uh, 21-year-old Zaquavia Smith was among at least seven people shot at the Studio 2.0 nightclub in Ashburn, Georgia in June of 2018. The timeline puts Terry, among 10 others indicted for felony murder, at the shooting during the summer before the former's redshirt freshman year at Florida State. He had been signed by the Seahawks back in May, but he was quietly released this past Wednesday. And finally, it looks like we may see the return of one of the fastest wide receivers to have played the game in recent years as uh, because of the new marijuana law that uh, that has been put into effect in the NFL where the NFL no longer frowns on the usage of marijuana uh, free agent wide receiver Josh Gordon has submitted his uh, reinstatement letter to NFL commissioner Roger Goodell Gordon, who has made only 28 appearances since 2014, uh, was most recently released by Seattle after he had suffered a setback with substance abuse and had sought immediate immediate help back in December. Now, obviously, of course, that substance abuse was marijuana, basically, which the league had frowned upon until this offseason. Uh, he has reportedly passed all of his random drug tests the past three months and hopes to sign and participate with the team ahead of training camp. Uh, Gordon led the league in receiving yards in 2013, but has since struggled to keep, uh, to keep himself reinstated, even opting to play a handful of games in the fan-controlled football league this offseason. Uh, he last appeared in week 15 of the 2019 season. Now, Evan, this is, you know, this is the type of guy that a team like, like your Kansas City Chiefs, for example, could potentially mm-hmm. use. Especially, right. didn't, they lose Sammy, didn't they lose Sammy Watkins this, uh, this offseason? I so. Yeah, they what? lost him to the Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, this is a guy 
that could possibly take that spot, even though I guess, I guess maybe perhaps, uh, you know, maybe perhaps there would be, uh, this would help create more room uh, or not more room, but, you know, more opportunity, more opportunity Mm -hmm. for, uh, Oh, what's his name? The, uh, very speed, uh, McCall Hardman, who mm-hmm. seemed to be primarily a, you know, this is what, this is what's really weird. You know, obviously you follow the Chiefs, so maybe you would, maybe you would have more insight about this, Evan, but right. why did McCall Hardman go from being one of their top wide receivers two years ago to all of a sudden becoming primarily a special teams player this season. I couldn't tell you. <clears throat> I mean, it just seems so weird that right. uh, McCall, McCall Hardman had such a fast start to his career. I mean, clearly, you know, he's one of the, he's one of the fastest guys uh, on that Kansas City roster, I mean, hell, I'd, I'd love to see a uh, foot race between him and uh, Tyreek Hill when it comes to uh, when it comes to speed. Uh, but you know, he had such a good first year. You know, six touchdowns, five hundred. Well, you know, I guess actually he he kind of had a similar year this year, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it, he, I was looking on my. He just. Yeah, he had more yards and more receptions. He just didn't find the end zone as much. Yeah, you know that is so weird because it just se- it, it it seemed like he was more of a special teams player this year because the only time I ever saw him on the field was for special teams. Because you know, usually, usually with Kansas mm-hmm. City, they would go, they would go to to Watkins or Tyreek Hill, or they would use Travis Kelsey as right. uh, their primary source of offense. Yeah, and you know, it had seemed like that McCall Hardman was basically pushed off to the side. Now all of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm kind of shocked looking at these numbers. He actually started three more games compared to his rookie year, right? Uh, and he actually had more catches. He had 41 catches this year compared to uh, compared to 26 his uh, his rookie year, right? And actually, he uh, he had more rushing yards this year too compared to. Uh, I mean, he 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 was he had the same amount of rush attempts uh four four rushes for 31 yards uh this year with his longest mm-hmm. being a 20 yard run so maybe maybe I guess you know this was I guess this was more of a case of uh you know more this was this was more of a case of Andy Reid mixing up different strategies I guess perhaps Right. I don't know. It's 
kind of weird, but I do think with them losing Sammy Watkins, unless they're going to put uh, Nicole Hardman in that spot, you know, they could use they could use somebody like Josh Gordon, who would provide right. even more speed to that lineup. They would be that they would be looking for. Uh, ESPN's Mike Triplett. Uh, actually, it, it says here he considers the Saints to be a potential landing spot for free agent Richard Sherman. Well, I'm kind of surprised Sherman hasn't signed yet with anybody. Mm. Uh, the Saints have been linked to Sherman since March, but the five-time Pro Bowler is waiting out on training camp before signing with a before signing with a team. Uh, even after they extended uh, Ryan Ramzik. Uh, the Saints could make room for Sherman, who would start on the outside. Uh, New Orleans does have Patrick Robinson and third-round cornerback Paulson Adebo as their top options behind Marshawn Lattimore. Now, granted, obviously, Sherman isn't anywhere near the elite player that he used to be with the Seattle Seahawks, but... He still is a, serv- a serviceable cornerback uh, to, to to start games. So, I mean, hell, he would pro- he would probably still be there for the. Uh... Wow, what a throw out at home! The second straight. I'm st- I'm sorry to stop there, but the second straight game that there has been at least one throwout at home from the outfield. Who was that that threw that? Uh, hang on. I got to look this up. It's uh, Boston Boston against, uh, against Oakland on Fox. And, by the way, it's really great listening to Don Orsillo again. Uh, but... <laughs> <clears throat> Hang on, who was it? Oh, it was J.D. Martinez that made the throw. Wow, if that if that stays, yeah, that stays. That's an out. So they are going to the eleventh inning. Still tied up at four at, at four apiece. Wow, I can't believe that. Uh, what was I talking about? Uh, oh yeah, the NFL. Um, man, it's you know it's it's just so weird seeing seeing those uh, those type of play, those type of plays happen live, uh, right as right as you're in the middle of talking, but right, you know, and it's even it's even more because the Red Sox they're like, I believe they're on an eight game winning streak right now, uh, and actually, as a matter of fact with Tampa Bay losing today and uh, New York continuing to lose as well, you know, Tampa has the possibility of going down five and a half games behind the Red Sox, depending on if the Red Sox win this game uh, over Oakland. So this is a, 
let's bring let's bring Lou back in. Lou, I don't know if you were watching Fox just now. If you have uh, if Fox has uh, has Boston and Oakland uh, in your area, but the second well, I'm a, I'm a little night. away from my usual area, so let me check. Uh, I can't tell right now because I have out the Philadelphia the Philadelphia station, not the New York station. Oh, okay, so you you may you may end up having the uh, the Phillies game then because they're on Fox Possibly. today, I think. Well, that game just ended, but, so. Um, well, then maybe maybe you might have Boston then, because uh, Boston Boston just had uh, for the second straight night a uh, at least one outfield assist with the runner being thrown out at home. Uh, last night it was Kike Hernandez. Tonight it was J, uh, J.D. Martinez from left field. Uh, and actually, Kike had one earlier tonight, I think, as well, uh, with an outfield assist. And Boston and Oakland now go to the 11th inning, tied at four yes. apiece. You know, I got I got to ask you, Lou, because we talked about this last week uh, involving the Yankees. It just seems mm-hmm. like things are getting worse and worse. I mean, uh, I mean with, the, with, uh, with their game against L.A. a couple nights ago, they were up by, by what, three or four? No, they were up yes. by three. And, no, no, I'm sorry. They were up by four in the top of the ninth. And Erodus Chapman walks three straight batters. Aaron Boone does not pull yep. him. And then Chapman gave up a grand slam. I know. And then I believe he gave up a I believe he gave up a couple of other runs after that. How yes. how has Hank Steinbrenner or no, is it Hank or is it Hal? Hal. Hal. Yeah, Hal. Okay, it's Hal. Uh, how has Hal Steinbrenner not not uh, removed Aaron Boone yet as as uh, as as manager? Yeah, I mean he he wants him to go, but um, you know, judge judge on the other hand, I mean I'm sorry, uh, but there are there are people saying like, no, uh, we're going to keep him. So it's you know it's kind of like split down the middle. of, you know, Aaron Boone says he wants to keep him, and we're not going to give him up just yet. I mean, is it is it just the case that the Yankees are just going to wait until the off season to More potentially likely, move yes. on from Boone because because this is the final year of his deal, uh, and <laughs> you know, it's just so weird that I was listening to because they had the Yes Network uh, <laughs> version uh, broadcast on MLB Network today and uh, they were talking about how they were talking about how this may actually be the the one year that the Yankees will actually have to be sellers at the trade deadline. Uh-huh. And it's just so weird thinking about that cuz when you think a couple of years when you go back 3 or 4 years the Yankees were in such a good position. They had a loaded uh, a loaded minor league system. They had a lot of money to spend. 
And, you know, they they end up acquiring uh, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, you know, two uh, two years ago they signed Garrett Cole. Everything was everything looked like it was coming together for New York, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're starting to see everything that they invested all of a sudden starting to go bad. Yeah. I mean, what what are your thoughts, Lou, on this uh, on this constant slide that we're you know, that we're starting to see, that we're seeing New York go on here. I mean, now they're 10 games behind the Red yeah. Sox. Of all the teams, the Red Sox, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with them this year. I mean, they look, I mean, they started off slow, but then they were picking up uh, steam about a month ago. They were getting right back on track, and now all of a sudden, you know, I guess the injuries have piled up and whatnot, and it, they're just not able to recover, and they lost they, the Mets as well, which makes it only even worse. Yep. Yep. They they were actually getting no hit through five innings before Aaron Judge finally uh, before Aaron Judge finally hit a homer uh, to break open the uh, you know to break the uh, the no hitter. I mean, now you're potentially, you know, honestly, if I'm the Yankees, I'm potentially looking at, okay, you know, this may be time that we may we may have to potentially deal somebody like Giancarlo Stanton. If we're going to be sellers, you know, Giancarlo, he's really become more of a, he's become more like the Yankees version of uh, of Chris Davis from the Baltimore yeah. Orioles where he's basically either a home run or a strikeout hitter. You know, so it's I think that there's definitely a lot of decisions that are going to that are going to have to be made uh because you know usually in Yankee uh for Yankee fans it was usually yeah. World Series or bust. And that used to be the the organization's uh, the franchise's motto for quite a few years, going all the way yeah. back to the Joe Torre years. You know, it was always World Series or bust. But now we just based off of how uh, you know, based off of how uh, George Steinbrenner's kids have been running things, it's almost like that philosophy has sort of changed and now you're going to you know you're going to more of playoffs or bust almost yeah by the way this is now officially final the Milwaukee Bucks defeat the Atlanta Hawks 118 to 107 without Giannis Antetokounmpo and we are looking at a Phoenix Milwaukee NBA Finals And this is the first trip since 1974 to the finals for uh, Milwaukee, who ended up losing to Boston in seven games that year. So who would have thought, Lou, that Mike Budenholzer, Not me. Who, has been, who has been a perennial choke artist his entire coaching career, has now led the Milwaukee Bucks 
especially these last two games without Giannis Antetokounmpo, to the NBA Finals. I didn't see what, what I, I saw mean, without the Greek fit, they wouldn't be able to win. I mean, honestly, I, I didn't see this coming at all. You know, no, I thought... I mean, obviously, yeah, you know, if it's Milwaukee and Atlanta, I, I would probably pick Milwaukee to go to the finals. But first off, nobody saw Milwaukee getting past Brooklyn. No. And once they got past Brooklyn. Well, that could wait away. Yeah, but, I mean, nobody really saw the possibility of Milwaukee potentially making the finals. And a lot of it can be attributed to the acquisition of Drew Holiday this, this past off season. Yeah. Ever since they acquired Holiday, it seems like this, this, uh, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks have finally become the team that they once were with Malcolm Brogdon. And actually, uh, you could give some big credit these last two games to Bobby Portis, uh, a former a former uh, Arkansas Razorback, who has put up some pretty big numbers uh, in Giannis Antetokounmpo's absence. He had uh, he had a near double double tonight, twelve points, nine rebounds. But uh, the previous game, he had like I forget twenty one or twenty four points. Uh, as the starting power forward in place of, in place of Giannis, and I mean he was on fire in Game Five, and it I think this really you know this really shows the type of depth that they have on that uh, that they have on that bench. I mean Pat Connaughton, he uh, he had a near double double tonight, eight rebounds, thirteen points off the bench. Jeff Teague, uh, he contributed for eleven points. You know, it's. I think it's going to be a very intriguing NBA final. I I, uh, I talked uh, with Evan about this uh, when you were off, when you were off the air. Uh, right. You know, looking at. I mean, granted, uh, Giannis probably isn't going to be at a hundred percent, but when you look at the matchup between the two franchises, for Phoenix, you got Devin Booker. Uh, Chris Paul and uh, and DeAndre Ayton, uh-huh. and with Milwaukee, you got Giannis Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. I mean, that's three pretty big trios who aren't necessarily considered to be big threes, and yet. You know, a, a lot of people thought that once, you know, the Brooklyn Nets ended up being eliminated and the L.A. Lakers, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers, a lot of people were looking at this NBA Finals as, oh, you could almost put an asterisk next to this NBA Finals because there's not really going to be any big names. But, I mean, obviously Giannis is in there, but Giannis is uh, is injured with the hyperextended knee, so it's not necessarily, you know, he's not necessarily going to be at a, at a hundred percent. You know, you could you could you could make the argument that this could be a pretty intriguing series. 
considering the fact that both of these offenses uh, are very high scoring. I'm still stunned, though, that Buden, that Budenholzer is uh, is going to the NBA Finals, which he should have he should have gone uh, with the Atlanta Hawks when they had that 62 game yeah. winning season or or something like that a couple of years ago. But it just never it just never came to pass for some reason. Gee, I wonder why. Mm-hmm. You know that was back. That was back when they had Al Horford. Yeah. And earlier this week, uh, by the way, uh, according to uh, ESPN, Giannis's injury uh, there was no structural damage, and his ligaments are sound. So, right. you know, it, it looked really odd when I saw it happen. Uh, when he hyperextended his knee, uh, trying to trying to uh, to catch the ball against I forget if it was John Collins or Clint Capella, but it was one of uh, it was one of Atlanta's bigs that uh, that he was battling with, and he ended up going down. Uh, the good news is it was not a torn ACL, so obviously. Uh, very good news for for the Bucks. Uh, he was out for Game Five. He was out tonight, and like I had mentioned before, if there was a Game Seven, he would have been given the green light. So I don't know if they have have they given the uh, the start for for the NBA Finals when it's Tuesday. Game One Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday. so. I mean, maybe he could play in game one. Possible. I think so. Maybe perhaps. Maybe perhaps he could, he could potentially, he could potentially play in game one. Uh, Obviously he won't be at a hundred percent, but you know, there are a lot of people who are actually predicting the Suns are going to take it over the Bucks. Hmm. So I don't know. Uh, I because you know if if the, even if the Bucks don't have Giannis, they still have Bobby Portis, who has put up two pretty good, two pretty good games the past two games. So it's entirely possible that Milwaukee could potentially still pull this off, even if uh, Giannis has to miss uh, has to miss time. Okay, yeah, it is it, uh, Tuesday at nine o'clock on ABC. Then Thursday, then they have two days off, and they play in Milwaukee uh, next Sunday, and then next Wednesday, and then games five, six, and seven, if necessary, will be on the seventeenth, the twentieth, and the twenty-second. All of these games, with the exception of sun, of next. Sunday's game will be at 9 o'clock with Sunday's game being at 8 o'clock. And all of them are on NBC. Or, I mean, ABC. You know what? I just I just remembered. This is the last game that Marv Albert will, offic- will have officially called for, uh, for TNT. Yeah. 
because he's retired now. What a way to go out. I know. Uh, yeah, and you know, you know, Lou, when you were off the air, we were also talking <laughs> about the potential for a lot of big names to potentially get moved this uh, this off season in the NBA. Yeah. In particular, uh, we had news that Kawhi Leonard apparently was pissed off about how the Clippers yeah. handled his injury. And obviously with him being a free agent this year, obviously the expectation is that he's going to re-sign in L.A., but there's the potential that he could book it from the Clippers and go elsewhere. Uh, we also we also know that Ben Simmons obviously uh, is on the trade market. You know, they just recently turned down an offer uh, from the Pacers for – uh, Simmons, which involved Malcolm Brogdon and a uh, first-round pick going to Philly, uh, that just got turned down. So you know Simmons is an option. Uh, obviously, with Damian Lillard, apparently Lillard is absolutely pissed off that Portland hired uh, Chauncey Billups as their next head coach because of his sexual assault uh, allegation back in '97. So, you know, there's – and also Jalen Brown's name has been thrown out there for if they potentially – if the Celtics potentially trade for Bradley Beal or even try to make a trade for Ben Simmons, you know, his name would get thrown into the mix. Uh, there's the potential for a lot of uh, a lot of big names to, to potentially uh, uh, switch teams here this offseason. So I think we could be seeing some uh, some late fireworks. Granted, the 4th of July is tomorrow. We're going to be seeing fireworks anyways, but I think it's entirely possible we yes. could see some late fireworks. Yeah. Right, what, what are your thoughts, Lou, with all the, with all the potential stars uh, being in the trade market this year or free agency and potentially being on the move? It's not surprising. It happens every year. Georgia doesn't get somebody, you know, from the major, from the major uh, players to shift around, so it's it's not surprising. Even you know this year. True. I mean, there's obviously we see it we see it happen every single year, but you know usually when we see stars when we see stars potentially being on the move, you know usually you look at you look at certain stars and it's like, well. You know, usually there will be the stars will will usually stay in the same spot. You know, they yeah. won't end up uh, end up switching teams. But or if there is a star that's going to switch teams, you know, it's not going to be like you're not going to see two or three stars. Maybe you'd see one star, one one big superstar make uh, make a switch. But there's the possibility that we could see a whole bunch of players get moved this off season that I don't know, maybe could potentially switch up uh, or, or uh, shift the, uh, the landscape of the NBA. I would think it would. Yes. 
I mean, it's possible. And now the most boring part of baseball, the intentional walk. Yeah. Well, is this intentional, yeah. or, are they, or is he going for... Nah, it's intentional. Got all the bases. No. Nope. All right. What the hell was that? It, it's it's almost as if Bobby Dalbick was look was. It's as if he was looking for uh for. Yeah. A potential double play. Oh, the runner was wait. So he basically allowed the runner to go to second. Uh, okay, this doesn't make sense at right. all. But whatever. I, I nothing is nothing is making sense in the uh, in Major League Baseball these days. Uh, what a shock! And actually, it's it's funny that I bring that up because we did this week have our first official ejection. Due to foreign substance use, and this was uh, Seattle's uh, one of Seattle's left-handed pitchers, uh, Hector Santiago. Uh, he was ejected from Sunday from last Sunday's game against the White Sox uh, by home plate umpire Phil Cuzzy after a foreign substance inspection was performed. Uh, he was then suspended for ten games after his glove was confiscated. And it was found to have a foreign substance. And then they didn't say what the foreign substance was. Tiago claimed that he claimed that he only used rosin. That it was that it was a mixture of rosin and sweat that was on the glove. And obviously, you know, I, I just I just found it sort of odd that they treated it as if as if they were. Uh, that they were uh, bagging up a body or something, you know. They 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 put the uh, they put the glove in like a forensics bag and and shit like this to have it shipped off, uh, shipped off to uh, to get it tested. And apparently they uh, they must have found something on it because uh, he has been or he was ejected and he's been suspended for ten games. Although now. He is appealing the suspension, uh, so he will be able to play uh, during uh, as long as the uh, however long the appeal uh, takes. And, you know, we've seen so much outcry uh, about this ever since ever since uh, the crackdown has taken place. Do you ever do you ever get the feeling, Lou, that maybe perhaps this may get, uh, you know, this may get reversed this upcoming off season during the uh, the next uh, the ne- during the winter meetings that maybe so. perhaps that so. maybe perhaps you think they'll keep it? They'll keep it. I mean, but this is getting ridiculous. Hey Evan, what are your thoughts? You know, you uh, you're a uh, you're a big Kansas City Royals fan. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on uh, on Major League Baseball all of a sudden cracking down on these substances when basically, you know, there have been pitchers like Garrett Richards, for for example, Garrett Richards uh, used spider tack, as they call it, for his entire career. 
and now all of a sudden they're they're starting to crack down out of nowhere. I mean, it kind of feels like it's a little too late. Yeah. Kind of think that yeah, because you know people who've been using this for years, and now all of a sudden like start cracking down. It's like, well, wait a minute. You mean I have to go to do something completely different that I've been doing for in years? Yeah. The, now they would have to basically. What the hell? Of, how long is that that beer snake? I mean, there, Evan, you're you're not watching the game right now, but there's a pretty big beer snake going on right now in Oakland uh, on the top <laughs> level of the uh, the top the top sections, and it seems like it gets bigger every half inning. Was it in the game? But you know, you know, the thing is, with them cracking down on these, on these, on the substance use and everything, if there are pitchers that have used it, you know, now all of a sudden, pitchers like Garrett Richards are now having to try and find a way to get a grip on the ball, in order to throw their their pitches correctly. Yeah. Right. You know. I've, Obviously, today, you know, Garrett Richards probably had his best start since the crackdown. Uh, he has started three games since, and today's today's game was probably his best start out of all three uh, starts, which have been horrendous for the most part, except for today, where he only gave up, I think it was two runs. Uh, you know, it's it's like these pitchers who may have used the stuff their entire career now all of a sudden are having to find ways to try and to try to try to try and you know regain that uh that grip that they once had on the ball without using illegal substances and it's kind of, it's kind of it's kind of like you know players have been doing this for years you know, and they're probably going to find new ways to cheat. Yeah. It's like, how much How much do you have to crack down on stuff to the point of where almost uh, you may be, you may be limited to doing only, to using only fastballs, for example. If, uh, if they, if they continue on with this, if they continue on, you know, with the pace of cracking down on stuff, because I mean, obviously, you know, you need to grip the ball a certain way to, to throw every pitch, every different type of pitch. So, you know, if you start, if you continue cracking down on stuff like this, you know, there may be certain pitches that may not be able to be thrown ever again, because pitchers aren't going to be able to get that, that uh, pitchers aren't going to be able to get that exact grip on the baseball that they need to get to throw the pitch effectively. Huh. So, you know, it's just, I, I, I just kind of, I kind of think that major league baseball has sort of 
has sort of gone a little bit overboard with this whole with this whole routine, especially having yeah. to have uh, you know ha- having to have um, pitchers get checked in some cases three to four times a game. Uh, there was one uh, injury that took place earlier this week. Uh, Indians outfielder. Uh, Indians outfielder Josh Naylor ended up having to be carted off of the field last Sunday after he had a vicious collision with uh, his teammate Ernie Clement in right field. Yeah, and I believe I believe it was stated that uh, that he had a broken leg. I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was a broken leg. Hang on, let's see if I can find it. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, while I'm looking for it, it says here, uh, Stein, uh, according to uh, to Steinbrenner, the Yankees are not considering selling at the deadline. Okay, it's your neck. From what it says here, so either they're gonna either they're either they're just gonna stand pat or they're gonna deplete their. Uh, their farm system even further. And yeah, that's uh, actually, yeah, it says here uh, he is set. Josh Naylor is set for surgery tomorrow to address multiple fibula fractures and ligament tearing in his right leg. And originally, he had been diagnosed with a closed fracture and dislocation of his right ankle. Oh, that's going to fall. Uh, it's becoming not, en- not, enough, uh, not enough momentum, though. So runners at first and third now. I mean, multiple fibula fractures. Oh, I can't even, I, I can't, I can't even I think, about think about that it. right now. No, exactly. I can't even think about that. Uh, oh, this is one. Uh, Major League Baseball announced yesterday that they have placed Trevor Bauer on the seven-day administrative leave while they continue their investigation into allegations that he committed sexual assault. Uh, he, Major League Baseball does have the authority to extend his administrative leave at their discretion as they and the Pasadena Police Department continue their investigation. The woman who brought forth the allegations against Bauer has been granted a temporary domestic violence restraining order. I have seen the photos, by the way, and, uh, yeah, I I think there I, – I don't know if it's sexual assault, but uh, – there was definitely some sort of domestic violence uh, that was that was uh, brought forth because she looked pretty bloodied up. I'll put it that way. Uh, yeah. Bauer released a statement through his attorney slash agent in which he claims that he had a wholly consensual sexual relationship with the accuser, and he uh. was slated. He was slated to start for the Dodgers tomorrow. Obviously, of course, that's now not going to happen. But, yeah, this is uh, 
this is not good for um, for Trevor Bauer, especially. I mean, I, I don't know if you've if you've seen the photos, uh, Lou or or Evan, no. at all, but it, they did not look. Uh, let's just say, let's just say, uh, in some cases, they may have they may have needed to be blurred. Yeah, why don't we call it that? Because she she did not look good at all. The victim did not look good at all. Um, yeah, actually, uh, his agent says that it was the result of a pair of consensual, rough sexual encounters. Uh, TMZ has reported that Trevor Bauer is cooperating with authorities and that the case is likely to be sent to the L.A. County uh, District Attorney to determine whether charges are warranted. And obviously, this falls under the uh, under the uh, domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy that uh, Major League Baseball has set up. So, obviously, they have uh, they have full power to keep him on the sidelines for as long as possible throughout this whole thing, depending on. You know, depending on actually how long this process even takes, uh, Trevor Bauer it is said that he will not appeal uh, the decision by Major League Baseball. Uh, he said, uh, according to his reps, uh, th- that he will not appeal the decision in an in an effort to minimize any distraction to the Dodgers organization and to his teammates. But yeah, the the injuries here don't look good. It says here that uh, the woman made extremely disturbing allegations in an 84-page temporary restraining order application that was filed by her attorney. The woman claimed two meetings with Bauer started as consensual sex, but then turned into a violent attack. 21 years old. Uh, she says she met Bauer through Instagram before meeting him on April 21st face to face. She alleges they were in the middle. They were in the middle of sex when he started aggressively putting his fingers down her throat. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Uh, then, according to the docs, the woman claimed Bauer wrapped my hair around my neck and choked me. The alleged victim then says that she lost consciousness. Oh. Yeah, there's a hearing has been set for July 23rd, but yeah, there's I'm, I'm not going to go into further into further detail with that, but it's it does not if that does turn out to be true, it does not look good for Bauer. I'll put it that way. Yep. <laughs> And I see the Sox did extend their lead. It is now six to four to that bloop single from what it looks like for uh for Kike Hernandez. Yeah. Um there we go. Uh for the NHL, we did have uh the NHL awards take place earlier this week. 
And also, there's a big name that might be on the move, by the way, which we'll talk about in a few minutes here. Uh, But probably the big winner of the NHL awards this year was Connor McDavid taking home the Hart Trophy uh, with 33 goals and 105 points in 56 uh, games played this year. Uh, The next best player in the scoring race was his teammate, Leon Dreisaitl, who recorded 84 points. And in third place was Brad Marchand with 69 points. Uh, McDavid is the second unanimous winner in Hart Trophy history behind Wayne Gretzky, claiming all 100 first-place votes. No surprise there. Not just... Not just that, but he did also win the Ted Lindsay Award, which is voted on by the NHL players. Uh, and this is the third time that McDavid has won it in his career. As far as the other uh, races, Marc-Andre Fleury won the Vesna Trophy for the first time in his historic career, or his legendary career, I should say, not historic uh, for the first time in his legendary career, he has won the Vesna Trophy. Uh, he had a fantastic season this year, 26-10-0, and uh, with a 1.98 goals against average and a 92.8 save percentage in 36 games. Uh, he ended up winning over Philip Grubauer and Andre Vasilevsky uh, to capture his first Vesna Trophy win. Uh, the New York Rangers. Well, you can call historically uh, legendary. Well, it's legendary, but it's it's a legendary career. But I wouldn't say historically, though, a historic okay. career. Uh, New York Rangers defenseman Adam Fox became the winner of the Norris Trophy, which goes to the top defenseman in the NHL. Uh, Kale McCarr and Victor Hedman were the other two nominees for the award. Fox had five goals and 47 points in 55 games for the, uh, for the New York Rangers this year. He finished second in defenseman scoring behind only Tyson Berry of, I think he plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs now, but he used to play for the Colorado Avalanche, I believe. Uh, Fox also averaged an outstanding 24 minutes and 42 seconds per game. Uh, And the voting for this award was probably the tightest out of all of the awards as Fox won uh, 743 points to to Kale McCarr's 655. Uh, One of the other awards that was announced uh, Minnesota left winger Kirill Kaprizov won the Calder Trophy, which goes to the Rookie of the Year. Uh, Jason Robertson and Alex Nedeljkovic were the other nominees. But, I mean, let's be honest, Kaprizov's selection, not really all that surprising this year. He led all rookies no. with 27 goals, uh, 27 goals and 51 points in 55 games. Uh, Robertson finished in second in rookie scoring this year with 17 goals and 45 points. 
while Nedeljkovic posted a 1.9 goals against average and a 93.2 save percentage in 23 games. Uh, Kaprizov got 99 of a possible 100 first-place votes for the Calder Trophy. I don't know who got that other first-place vote, but he just missed winning unanimously. Uh, Also, uh, Mikhail Grigorenko has officially signed a three-year deal to return to the KHL for CSKA Moscow and basically back to Russia for him after playing for the Columbus <laughs> Blue Jackets for a year. Uh, he only had four goals and 12 points in 32 games this year with Columbus. And he will return to Moscow where he had 19 goals and 41 points uh, in 47 games two years ago. Uh, St. Louis is reportedly exploring trading Vladimir Tarasenko. Really? According to uh, according to Frank Saravalli. I've heard of it. Uh, Tarasenko has a full no movement clause, but he has provided the Blues with a list of teams that he would be willing to go to. One of those teams, uh, from what I remember, one of those teams is the Boston Bruins, but I believe the New York Islanders were also on that list as well. Yes, yes. Hang on. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, well, while you do that, um, I got a question for you. Well, it's not really a question, but more of a um, – since we are um, – I'm currently doing, of course, Marv Hour's last moments uh, for this since he's done his historic career. Uh, let me ask you something. Do you have, a, do you have like a Marv moment? Of what moment? A Marv moment. Oh, I mean, not one that can really come off of the top of my head. Ah, I guess you got to be more from my area. <laughs> I mean, then, then again, you know, I didn't. Re- I know, I know, he's been at TNT for you know pretty much almost his entire career. Uh. Oh, he started out in New York long before that. He started with New York in the 60s. But, you know, I haven't, I haven't really heard, you know, even, even back when, even back when, uh, you know, when he's done games for TNT, most of the time I had heard, you know, like Kevin Harlan when he would do games for TNT most of the time. I didn't really hear Marv Albert on the air. How do you compare Kevin Harlan to Mal Albert? <laughs> no, I know. I know, but, you know, it's it, – Marv Albert isn't really one of those voices that I've really heard, you know? Uh, you got to be from my area then. I grew up with that voice. Yeah. I think probably the most shocking game that I could ever recall – or a shocking finish, I should say. Well, besides the uh, Reggie Miller at the Garden – I would think that the between the um, Lakers Kings series in 2002, I mean the Lakers were down by as many as 22 points in the first qu- in the first half, and then I walk into a restaurant um, in Southern New Jersey. Uh, we were family. I was watching the, I watched the end of the game. Like I gotta see this Okay, fine. So I walk up to the bar and she said, "What happened here? Oh my goodness!" 
They have caught all the way up. Island, Island, complete shot. And then passing the ball on uh, the Shaggin and the Robert Ori. Then Ori hits the three-pointer at the buzzer. I'm like, I think I'm going to drop dead. I was like, I was like just beside myself. Hmm. Ori from the way is that? Oh, brother. But. By the way, speaking of uh, speaking of broadcasters, uh, the NHL broadcast roster is officially known now for Here we the go. ABC and ESPN partnership. Uh, oh. Amongst amongst the analysts and play-by-play announcers that will be available are as follows: uh, the most notable ones, I should say. You have Brian Boucher. John Bucci Gross, uh, which means that he has officially been rehired by ESPN, thank God. Uh, Ryan Callahan, Chris Chelios, uh, Ray Ferraro, Leah Hextall, uh, Steve Levy, Sean McDonough, Barry Melrose, Mark Messier, like it, like uh, it. Kevin Weeks. Kevin Weeks, which I think he's coming over actually from NHL Network, I think. Or maybe yeah. it's TSN, I forget which. Um, Canada. And also Rick DiPietro. DiPietro. Yeah, you know, you know the uh, the former Islander goaltender who I know who he is. I know who he space. is. I'm just thinking, hmm. I'm just trying to think of a connect. I'm always trying to figure out the connection and, and whatnot. So, you know, I know who he is. I don't think he's even been an analyst. No, because I haven't seen him anywhere. Like in the revive. I mean, they do. They. Uh, I know Sean McDonough from his time in Boston. Uh, I mean, he was primarily, though, a, a Red Sox uh, announcer, but he also did Monday Night Football, or Sunday, either Sunday or Monday Night Football, I forget which, uh, recently. Uh, uh, yeah. Steve Levy, he's he's done, I think, mainly college basketball and college football recently. Uh, yeah, but hockey, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. He has done hockey a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Ray Ferraro, Ray Ferraro. I mean, he's. I think he worked for. Wasn't it? Wasn't it NBC, or was it? Uh, or was it uh, Canada, TSN that he worked for? I think it was uh, TSN. Okay, that's that's probably where I uh, where I remember him from. Uh, Melrose, of course, has always been with ESPN throughout this entire thing. The biggest shocker, no Gary Thorne. What? No Gary Thorne on that list. No justice. No justice. Nope. But it, it seems like a lot of these, a lot of these uh, people were either previously with ESPN or, uh, I believe ESPN does have some sort of agreement. I think with TSN and NHL Network too. I think so. Yes, they do. They do. Uh, they do. So perhaps because I know Leah Hextall is definitely from Canada, so she's Hextall, one of those. Why uh, not familiar? Hextall Place, maybe. 
No, because there was a hockey player named Hextall. That were quite a few of them. Huh. Well, oh, um, I can't remember. One of the Hextall, well, one of the Hextall did play for the Flyers. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. Um, hang on. Ron Hextall? I th- was it Ron? I think it was. Yes, Ron Hextall, yep. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I remember. Um, I, he also played. He he was the. Uh, he's currently serving as the general manager of the of the Penguins, right now. Uh, you see, because uh, they played the Rangers played the Phillies in that in the conference final back in uh, ninety seven ninety eight, and that's going back back back, and that's going. Oh my goodness, this is going to think. Well, it's going to tie the game. And well, I w- I wish I could third. say I was surprised. I wish I could say I was surprised, but this is Matt Andrees, so I'm not surprised. Yeah. If there was anybody that was going to blow this game, it was going to be Andrees. For some reason, yeah. I don't know why they didn't – I don't know why uh, Cora didn't use Barnes tonight. I guess he was giving him a night off or something, but <laughs> this game would already be over if Matt Barnes was pitching. Mm. Maybe it's because he gave up the game-tying homer last night. I don't know. Yeah, but as as far as I tell, this game is over with uh, a runner at third. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, it is Ron Hextall that you were thinking of, though. Because uh, in the '97 conference final, the Rangers did play the uh, Flyers, and they said we want Hextall. Yeah, I remember that. Now I I couldn't I couldn't find that list though uh, for Tarasenko, but I mean, what are, what are your thoughts though, Lou? With you know Tarasenko, he's still 29 years old. He's he he's arguably pro- probably the the St. Louis Blues' best uh, best forward, and yes. now it looks. I guess he's. I guess uh, he's gotten fed up in St. Louis. I don't know what uh, I don't know what it, what 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 his problem is with St. Louis, but apparently he's already he's already given his list to uh, to Doug Armstrong, the general manager, uh, right. of teams that he would want to be traded to. I know that the Bruins are definitely one of those teams because it was leaked uh, earlier this week. That the Bruins would be one of the uh, would be one of the uh, potential landing spots. Uh, potential, I guess maybe uh, there was also Florida. There was L.A. That was listed. That's gonna get deep enough to score the run. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Oakland, that's o- Oakland wins. He was he was safe six. anyways, even before. He was safe anyways, even before the potential tag. Yeah, but still, they beat Boston, so I'm a happy camper. Yeah. <laughs> Wasted opportunity, but that, that winning streak had to come to an end at some point. Uh, the Nashville Predators are also an option. I don't know why he would want to go to New Jersey, but New Jersey apparently is an option. Dumpster fire. <laughs> and the New York Rangers Careful, believe it or not state. are an option. The New York Rangers are an option, believe it or not. 
Mm. Now, imagine if the Rangers can somehow swing a deal for not just Tarasenko, but also Jack Eichel. Yeah, that's been mentioned. You're looking at you're looking at a potential. Uh, you you want to talk about a rebuild? You're looking at an accelerated rebuild. Yes. I don't know if I should be worried about that or not. That's the thing. Honestly, I mean, with the with the young talent level that New York has right now, I honestly I wouldn't be. Uh, I I I wouldn't be surprised if they if they try to go for an accelerated rebuild at this point, especially considering uh-huh. the fact that they're bringing in, they've brought in the guy from uh, Chris Drury, the former general manager of the Hartford Wolfpack. He's now the the main general manager of the uh, of the Rangers. So I would not be surprised at all. If uh, if he decides to try and make a big splash uh, in his first year at the helm, yeah. Uh, let's see. yeah, definitely. I, I still can't believe Andres did that. Andres needs to get the fuck out of Boston. <laughs> I mean, why? Uh, also, it says. Also, it says here, uh, Andre Torigny apparently will be named the next head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Actually, I believe he was named the next head coach uh, on Thursday. Uh, He has spent the majority of his coaching career in the CHL, coaching in the QMJHL and OHL, but he has worked as an assistant before in the NHL. Uh, on different teams, so it looks it looks like uh, maybe perhaps they're looking for some, they're looking for a guy like Tarigny to because of because of the fact that he has uh, experience with working with younger players in the junior leagues that maybe perhaps he can uh, you know he can sort of get through to uh, to some of the younger players on that Arizona Coyotes roster. And speaking of the Coyotes, one name to look out for, Phil Kessel may be on the move. Phil Kessel Mm -hmm. and Connor Garland. Those are two big names that are looking at, uh, that the Coyotes are looking at as potential uh, trade bait. Because number one, uh, they can't get Garland to agree to a reasonable enough contract. Uh, that obviously Garland is looking for big money uh, considering he was their top scorer this year. And uh, the Coyotes don't want to pay him past a certain level. And Kessel, well, I mean, Kessel is just making too much money and the Coyotes are in a rebuilding phase at this point that uh, they don't want to, with, with Kessel becoming, I think he'll be 34 next year. Uh, they don't want to give him the the no. money that that he. They don't want to pay him the money that he currently is making right now. So that's those are two names to look out for uh, in regard to potential movement. Potential. 
the Rangers, they have reportedly finalized plans to buy out the contract of Tony D'Angelo, uh, one of their defensemen. They will have a cap charge of $383,000 in, uh, in this upcoming year and $883,000 in 2022-2023, while D'Angelo will now become an unrestricted free agent. Uh, says here that, according to Frank Saravalli, it is believed that at least five teams contacted the Rangers and D'Angelo's camp between his dismissal from the team and the trade deadline. Uh, it's expected that he could sign elsewhere fairly easily, uh, as a result of this, once he hits the open market. Also, uh, there have been trade talks reportedly involving Carolina forward Warren Fogle, as uh, according to Elliot Friedman, both Carolina and Fogle both appeared to want a change. Uh, he had 10 goals and 20 points in 53 games with the Hurricanes during this season. Also, I didn't know about this, but uh, there was uh, a pretty big move that was made this week with uh, the the Nashville Predators trading Victor Arvidsson to the LA Kings in exchange for a second round pick uh, in 2021 and a third round pick in 2022. And it says to look for a bounce back season from Arvidsson next year, uh, who had, he had 10 goals and 25 points in 50 games this season. So they say they're saying to look for a bounce back year for him next year. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, this one. Uh, Ryan New- Ryan Nugent Hopkins has apparently signed an eight-year deal worth about forty-one million dollars uh, for a contract extension. This is a flat-out steal for the Oilers, in my opinion especially given he had a down year this year. Uh, it translates to about a $5.125 million cap hit uh, per year. It's less than his previous $6 million cap hit. Uh, granted, they did give him an eight-year deal, but given that he's 28 years old, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he will be effective throughout the life of this eight-year deal as he did have 16 goals and 35 points in 52 games this season. Like I said, a down year for him. Um, let's see. The, uh, at the Islanders year-end press conference, uh, GM Lou Lamorello, uh, who, by the way, is the GM of the year once again, uh, did say that the Islanders will do everything they can to re-sign fourth liner Casey Sezikis, uh, who had seven goals and 14 points in 52 regular season games this year and five points in 19 postseason games, including a couple of goals. Uh, but his value that he brings to the team, though, is as a shutdown forward, which clearly he did against Boston uh, in their series in the semifinals. 
Uh, J.G. Padjo also underwent hand surgery this past Monday. Uh, Lamorello did say that Padjo would be ready for the start of training camp as he was held pointless in the semifinals but had 13 points in the Islanders' first two series of the playoffs. So maybe that's kind of why that, that may be why uh, the Islanders looked so flat uh, yeah. seemed against Tampa Bay because I mean yeah they did they did stretch it to a game seven but a lot of their points uh, shockingly a lot of their points uh, usually come from from uh, from Pajot and. He was he he wasn't really that much of a factor in the postseason this year, or in the later rounds, I should say. Yeah. Uh, the Buffalo Sabers they are they have decided to keep uh, Don Granado as their head coach for the upcoming year. Uh, he originally replaced Ralph Kruger as the head coach on March seventeenth, but originally it was just on an interim basis. Uh, under Granado, the Sabres were an underwhelming 9-16-3, but he did help stabilize the situation in his short time uh, as interim head coach. Uh, obviously, you know, maybe with a full year uh, under, uh, with a full year at the helm of the uh, of the Buffalo Sabres, maybe they can see exactly right. what he'll be able to do if he'll actually be able to turn them around. Uh, and also, it's uh, even though there were firm denials that were made that Matthew Kachuk wanted out of Calgary, supposedly, uh, according to Elliot Friedman, uh it has been said that the Flames do not have any interest in trading Kachuk. So it looks like he's uh, looks like he's basically being kept hostage, from what it seems. If he if he really does want out of Calgary, right. Also, uh, the Minnesota Wild they re-signed Joel Erickson X to an eight-year extension worth about $42 million with an average annual value of five and a quarter mil per season through the 2028-2029 season. Uh, He recorded career highs in goals with 19, points with 30, uh, a plus-minus rating of plus 16, and average ice time per game at 17 minutes and three seconds over 56 games this past year. Uh, he also led the Wild in face-off wins with 395 and second in hits with 105 for the team, while placing third on the team with 119 shots on goal. Uh, he also finished fourth in voting for the Selkie Trophy, which goes to the NHL's top defensive forward. Uh, plus, he's only 24 years old, so this will put him... Uh, Basically, he'll he'll be very effective even at the age of 32 in his final year uh, for the uh, for the Minnesota Wild under this deal. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, 
Uh, I forgot to mention uh, for baseball, the New York Yankees, they did acquire outfielder Tim LaCastro uh, from Mm. the Diamondbacks in exchange for right-handed pitcher Keegan Curtis. Uh, Locastro had had batted just uh, just just 178 in 55 games this season, but he is one of the fastest players in the majors and can cover all three outfield spots. So, to me, this kind of sounds like it's more of a defensive uh, more of a defensive acquisition as opposed to you know actual offense. Um, Curtis. 25 years old, was a 22nd round pick in the 2018 MLB draft out of the University of Louisiana Monroe. So it, it just, it seems like this was kind of a, uh, it seems like he was kind of a throwaway player for the Yankees, I guess. Maybe he wasn't getting anywhere in the Yankees minor league system. The Blue Jays, they did make a uh, notable acquisition this week, acquiring outfielder Corey Dickerson along with right-handed pitcher Adam Simber and cash considerations from the Florida Mar- – I'm sorry, Miami Marlins in exchange for infielder Joe Panik and right-handed pitcher Andrew McInvale. Uh The deal was reported – Tuesday morning, and it's now official. Dickerson will remain on the injured list with a left foot contusion and is still probably a couple of weeks away. However, Mm -hmm. he'll give the Blue Jays some depth from the left side and will likely see part-time at-bats with the Blue Jays now once he does get off of injured reserve. Uh, Simber is a strong addition to their bullpen and should see high leverage situations right away. Uh, the Blue Jays will recover some or will receive some cash to help cover some of Dickerson's remaining salary as he's making $8.75 million this year. So it seems to me that the Blue Jays are gearing up uh, for a potential run at the playoffs. And... I mean, they are 43-38, and 38, but they're only three games back of the wild card. Yes. And as it stands right now, it uh, looks like the wild card uh, is the Tampa Bay Rays. And wait, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland Athletics, from what it looks like, are the two wild card spots. Uh, for the American League uh, with Boston, Chicago, and Houston occupying the three division leads. Uh, For the National League, you have the New York Mets, virtue of their win over the Yankees today with a three-game lead over Washington in the uh, the East. Uh, the The NL Central, you got Milwaukee, uh, and the NL West seems to be the dominant force in the National League this year with uh, San Francisco yeah. leading slightly over the Dodgers, and the Dodgers and the Padres are the two wildcard teams right now. But don't look now because the Dodgers are starting to heat up, having won each of their last yeah, they are. seven games. And actually looking right now, let's see. They're currently leading the Nationals 4-3. to three. So 
this will be their eighth straight win if they can if they can hang on to the uh, if they can hang on to this uh, one run lead here. Well, before uh, uh, but before I get kicked out of here, I'll say good night and I want to wish you everybody a happy Fourth of July. Yeah, same to you, same to you, Lou. Th- uh, thanks for joining us tonight. You guys. Uh, I'll send you a firecracker. <laughs> That's my yeah, fucking drawing joke. Know, uh, Good night. Yep. Good night, Lou. Uh, and yeah, you know what? Before we sign off tonight, we do. Have, I mean, we do have only about <laughs> two minutes remaining. Uh, yeah. Evan, you gonna you gonna be able to join us uh, next Friday night? I don't believe so. I believe I, if I saw my schedule right, I'll be working. Ah, uh, damn. Well, that sucks. Uh, to anybody, to anybody who's listening, if you're a Big Brother fan, go uh, go join Big Brother Whispers. Uh, we will be covering the uh, Big Brother 23 uh, season this season, all in Big Brother Whispers, and also here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, every Friday night, we will have the Big Brother 23 recap show hosted by Melissa and myself, uh, where we will break down everything that took that takes place inside the Big Brother house every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did just do the cast assessment podcast last night, so if you haven't had the opportunity to do so yet, you can check that out on the archives and uh, by going to blogtalkradio.com slash missyae or by subscribing to Missy AE on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And a note, Jim announced this last night, but I figured I'd say it again, I'd repeat it again for him. The Survivor Podcast that uh, we would normally do on Thursdays are officially on hold until the new Survivor season starts. So don't expect any other Survivor Memories or Survivor Rankings podcasts until then. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll now be focused on primarily Big Brother and Sports Whispers Weekly, uh, which will be every Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, With that being said, uh, Evan, Lou, thank you guys for joining me tonight. Uh, We will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Everybody have a great Fourth of July weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night.